Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, Guilty Feminists, and welcome to this Culture Club edition of the podcast. Last night, I saw an incredibly interesting play at the Almeida in London. It's called Women Beware the Devil, written by Lula Raxa, directed by Rupert Gould. And we have two stars of the play with us here today. Please welcome Lydia Leonard and Alison Oliver. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Hi. Um, <laughs> so wonderful to have you here. Thanks for having us. The first thing I have to say is... Lydia and Alison, I'm a feminist, but I was really well gel of your Jacobean corsets and thinking, oh, it looks so Vivian Westwood. I'll have one of those. Thanks very much. Not to mention that rompy four poster bed that kept coming out of the floor with lights up and down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, the costumes are beautiful. Also, she's so clever, Evie, the designer, because the skirts are made. Um, and the tops are all, mine are all from sort of Boohoo or Zara, which gives it kind of, it's not supposed to be modern, modern, but it 
keeps things looking fresh rather than a kind of dusty old higher number from angels. Well, they certainly looked incredible on you and see if you can keep them. Uh, So let's talk about this play. I mean, I saw the play, but I'd love you to tell the listeners without giving it all away. What is this play about? Yeah, without giving too much away, it's um, a play that is set in like the 17th century in um, England. And it's about a woman who owns this big house, who's Lydia's character called Elizabeth, and she's trying to uh, restore that house. But it's when there's kind of plagues happening and things like that and the the world is kind of changing. And so she seeks the help of um, Agnes, who I play, who's um, a woman in the town who's suspected of being a witch and is kind of ostracised for it. And she brings her in um, to help her basically restore her house. So um, that's where it kind of starts. And then it takes lots of different turns and twists. Some very surprising turns, I thought. Yeah, Lulu wanted to write a Jacobean tragedy in a modern, not a modern setting, but with modern resonances, so, um, yeah. which she's done. So it's got a lot of those tropes of Jacobean theatre, like incest, violence, <laughs> uh, you know, hiding behind a bed stuff. <laughs> yeah, speaking to the audience. Yes, yeah. All of that. It yeah. actually opens, and I, I, this cult open I liked of this... Uh, uh, man coming out with the Evening Standard talking about how bad the news is at the moment and then saying, of course, uh, there was a time when everyone blamed me and he takes his hat off and he's clearly the devil. And then he says, now, of course, no one blames me, the devil or evil. It's all systemic or patriarchy. <laughs> and it's made me laugh a lot because I was like, you know, it's that, you know, the greatest trick the devil pulled was uh, to make people think he didn't exist. And so he goes back to a time when systemic and patriarchy was seen as this other outward evil thing, but often imbued into the power of womanhood. So if a woman somehow seemed to be powerful or was being endowed with power, she was punished for it because it can't be just that a woman's powerful. It has to be that the devil is operating through her. And what was fascinating is that unlike The Crucible, which I just saw at The National, which was a fantastic production, Uh, where women are accused of being witches, famously, and they're not. Uh, In this production, you really are playing a witch, Alison. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. she's a real one. Well, we had quite a lot of discussions, didn't we, about what Agnes's witchy powers were in the play, because it's not always clear and it kind of moves around. Sometimes it is projected onto her and that fear of um, women or, you know, anything different and stuff that witches often live in, uh, and also real magic. Yeah. It's really interesting. So I remember Lulu talking about this in terms of like what we really have in our world now, like with um, like labeling and stuff. Like, you know, if you don't like someone or you have kind of an issue with someone, they kind of receive a label. It's like, oh, well, they're, you know, they're an abuser or they're they're a narcissist or they're, you know, we, we kind of feel the need to label things. And, and it's kind of similar to how it was then if, if someone is other or um, rejected from society in some way, like being called a witch was was like that, I think. And um, and I think in this case, like Agnes has come from 
uh, a mother who practiced witchcraft and I think she saw how kind of despised she was in the community and so kind of wanted to go the other way and is, is obsessed with you know being good and getting into heaven and so you know not to give too much away but like when she does start to lean into those darker parts of her it's kind of like to do that you create kind of I suppose heaven on earth but it means you're guaranteed to go to hell then. It's one of those plays as well where I think you can't help but keep going back to our time now and the present and how that kind of lives in, you know, the 21st century. And it's an interesting line because sometimes men say this is a witch hunt, but there's never been a witch hunt against men. So it's a really interesting line to discuss around labelling, but it is certainly true that, you know, someone on Twitter can say somebody else is this thing, not has done this thing that is this thing, which is what you're a witch is. It's not you killed a cow, it's you are a witch. And where does that bring us round to? Um, Lydia, Mm. you're playing what I would call a Jacobean career woman. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Because the, the opportunities there were marriage or in the case of your character she's not married but she desperately wants to keep the family home and she's not going to inherit it so she has to make a situation where her brother marries and has an heir so the that house can stay in this family and she can continue to live in it yes and she's very ruthless about that and she's definitely more of the kind of thatcher Anne Boleyn type feminist um but she's really great fun to play and uh i think the play looks at how women support these structures that are doing them harm, and we still do, I suppose. And, you know, she maintains this house essentially for, like, the enjoyment of her brother and the furthering of that family name, but at the expense of her own life, really. Um, And she and Agnes are similarly ambitious and free-thinking, and I think that's why they kind of bond, but there's a limit to how much one can move beyond the conditioning of one's time, Um, and ultimately she is an agent for the patriarchy and and a massive conservative. I think she's a, she has some quite sensible arguments as well, which is quite refreshing. And quite yeah, I think she's a brilliant theater. strategist. She's a brilliant yeah. strategist. Like she would now be working for one of the big consultancies or a think tank, mm. I think. I don't think she's a feminist, but I think she probably thinks <laughs> she is one <laughs> and you're playing her. Um, but she yeah. is certainly a survivor and somebody but I think who... the maid say in the play, she's someone who's chosen not to have children and um, she doesn't see herself as on the shelf or spinster. that she feels like empowered by her choice despite it being to support male benefiting structures. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are Indigenous cultures where the brothers and sisters team up because you just know your genes are going to be looked after that way and it reminded me of a different oh, yeah. sort of strategy in terms of keeping your family alive that actually when a woman leaves her house and becomes part of another man's family well, she has less control there and she's expected to pump out a bunch of babies which she may or may not survive in Jacobean times but she will really not have the same say so what she's doing in this play I think is staying where she has influence where she has power yeah. And sacrificing, in adverted commas, what might be, I mean, we think of relationships as being about romance and raising children as being about, oh, this isn't lovely. But actually then, you know, going into some arranged marriage and then having to pump out endless babies because you didn't have birth control and everyone wants heirs 
I think was a pretty horrendous life and not romantic or sexy at all. Um, so I, I absolutely yeah. get her strategy. I was like, yeah, no, I've, absolutely, I would do that. I'd be like, let's stay in this house <laughs> where I can control things. But she then, what I, what, I, what I hopefully wouldn't do were I a Jacobean, I'm a feminist but were I a Jacobean woman, <laughs> I might have to make different decisions. But uh, I don't think I would go as far as she goes. She will literally do anything and use anybody. Yeah. But what's interesting is if you use a witch, the witch may end up using you. Buyer beware. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com What do you think? Because it seems to be, you know, the the women are very much the dominant characters and the male lead doesn't, you know, he's buffeted around by the women. He doesn't have, he thinks he's got all the agency and he really doesn't seem to have any because he doesn't know what's going on in his own house and he is completely manipulated by the women in his house. Um, how was it working on a play like that compared to other perhaps more classical texts or other older plays that you've worked on before? Um, yeah, really different. I mean, this is very much... Uh, approached as a piece of new writing. I mean, Lulu's writing isn't of its written in the framework of a Jacobin tragedy. It's, it's very modern, um, the, the language and um, certainly the costumes are even a little bit modern. Um, and so it was, it was nothing like working on a classical text, actually. It was, we were changing it all throughout, um, thinking about what you just said about the male characters. And actually, Alice and I were just having an interesting conversation about that, about how we, the women in the play use sex quite a lot or sexuality. They're taking the power back, the women. Yeah, I think that they, as the, you know, Elizabeth and Agnes have a great sense of awareness, like of awareness of their position in society, what they're able to do, what they're not able to do. And take advantage of what they have to the best of their ability. And I think we both, both myself and Lydia have scenes with, um, the character Edward, um, who's played by Leo Bill, and he's engaged in a, it, towards us in a sexual nature, and we are able to manipulate it and turn it around. For me, I always felt that was a really interesting study of like women who are using what they have. I wondered if some of it is just if you believe you've got witchcraft, you will act as if you do, and then other people will be influenced by you because you're not doubting yourself. Your character, Lydia is assuming Alison's character is using witchcraft. So you're behaving as if, well, 
he's going to accept this because witchcraft's been used. Mm. But I thought, well, whether or not mm. you've used witchcraft on a sort of slightly befuddled Jacobean man, his ego would not <laughs> allow him to say, no, I don't remember. And so mm. it's brilliantly done because I kept thinking, is this witchcraft or is this just people who believe they have power? And I thought maybe that's somewhat what it was about. Like if you believe you have the power, you will be able to change the room. You'll be able to change the people around you. You'll be able to convince them of almost anything because you're telling the story and people believe what you tell them. If yeah. you tell them and commit, which is also interestingly, I thought replicating what actors are doing because actors come into the room and go, I'm not a 21st century actress who lives in North London and went to drama school. What I am, in fact, is a Jacobean maid. And we all go, oh, okay, then she's wearing the clothes of the yeah. Jacobean maid and she's talking like a Jacobean maid. And I don't, I don't want to be the one to say she's not a Jacobean maid. And so that's what theatre is. We all just collectively agree. And we all know that experience of getting so lost in a film or a television show or a theatre show that we end up kind of believing or buying into it. Like I, when I watched Mad Men, I used to hate seeing the actors interviewed because I'd be like, no, that's Peggy. I don't want to, you know, because I yeah. wanted to buy into that world so much and um, those characters. And I didn't watch those kinds of things till the series was ended. So it felt to me like this is the power of pretending. Yeah. This is the power of acting as if. Yeah, yeah I think... Lulu has a brilliant thing in the script as well where she's making that exact argument where she's saying like in um, a moment where things kind of flip, Agnes has this whole kind of speech about like, well, whoever basically um, walks the walk and talks the talk is the person. Like mm. it, it, exactly. You commit um, and you behave like the person you're trying to be, then you are them. Um, because people will just accept what is brought to them um, if you do it with conviction. How, what work did you do to create the relationship that you have with each other? Because one of you is, as the Jacobeans would see it, highborn and one is lowborn, but you create this cross-class alliance in order to really take on the men, take on the power system, take on the fact that women can't inherit property and you make it really an unholy alliance. Um, yeah, no, the whole play and the whole rehearsal period, is, we had um, a real, a really, really fun time, which is kind of crucial for, uh, particularly for new writing. But the play, one of the challenges um, from the oft has been the way the tone shifts around. You know, at times it's quite funny, and, uh, you know, but the stakes are very high. There's the magic, and towards the end of the play, it gets very sort of melodrama or farce. So um, that bit, I suppose, in the second half, when there's Another, as we talk about identity, a mistaken identity thing that after the Agnes has a trick, um, is fun to play, isn't it? When Agnes starts using her powers to take control of the situation, the status shifts between us, and status was a big thing, I guess, in rehearsals and such, and that kind of power shift. Yeah. And it was interesting, I think, in how, like, obviously they're from completely different classes but how they can meet at some kind of common understanding in terms of like their desires, basically, from the offset. Like they kind of see each other in a way of, oh, you share what I have. And I think they make a really great pair. Like, you know, in, in another world, I think, you know, if they were to, well, I keep I keep being afraid of spoiling it, but. but no, no, but I, but I know when what you mean. They, they could fight crime on BBC Two for yeah. sure. <laughs> together. I think. Uh, I think there's a lovely piece to be found in there about how women of all different classes 
should and can come together because the same thing imprisoning you in a golden cage or perhaps evicting you from a golden cage because in those times women couldn't inherit property um, is keeping the chambermaid in her position. And so forming that alliance, that sisterhood, finding sisterhood over class and coming together uh, is a wonderful thing. But of course, it depends on the woman with more power, the woman upstairs, not the woman downstairs, encouraging that and opening that door. And although Alison's character, Agnes, is reluctant at the beginning because she wants to be a good person and she worries about using witchcraft in any way, shape or form for anything that isn't, you know, holy, she starts to get excited by it as well and starts to enjoy the alliance. And it reminded me how exciting uh, protests and alliances and using the power of the group can be. I had a friend come who thought the play was um, almost an anti-revolution play in some ways, which people aren't really doing, particularly in theatre. Um, I, I don't think it's anti-revolution, but it's, it is more, maybe even more that it's about women. Well, it's about structures falling. I think we'll probably see a whole spate of dramas about the English Civil War over the next couple of years because of the parallels with, you know, bringing down structures and systems and what we put in their place. And I think the how, you know, there's been all these meetings and conferences about what to do with the National Theatre because, you know, these young groups will come together and say, oh, it's elitist. And actually, though, if you sort of pick it, digging deeper often, it's like, well, what do you want in its place? And it's, oh, well, we'll be in it. So it's just, it's, is, it, is this just a power grab? Alison, is there anything you came to say that you didn't get to say? I was just thinking about what we might talk about in this podcast. And I think something that one of my friends said to me when she saw it, and I just thought it was really interesting the way she read it, was that like, I think it looks really interestingly at like whoever is on the outside, whoever is other, is seen as a bad thing. And I think it's really interesting in this play how we watch the other come into the space and become more and more institutionalized and more and more ironed out and essentially kind of, I, I suppose, brainwashed into thinking that that's the life that they want. And kind of like what Lydia was saying, I think when you get to the top of those things, like, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. It just, it, she, my friend was just saying to me, she was like, oh, it just felt really like one of those ones where you're like, be careful what you wish for, because once you reach that, actually, the question is, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, that's a great closing thought. Lydia, anything you came to say that you didn't get to say? Just that, to encourage people, yeah, to come and enjoy the show, because I think Lily's writing is really fun and bold, and that it, this is totally unlike anything else in the theatre at the moment. But it also reminded me of those plays like I, Joan or Orlando, where there's a sort of antiquity, a femininity and a drawing of a line between what was and what is. It does feel to me part of a generation of interesting uh, female fronted, centred writing um, that has something to say and says, hey, we're not so far from where we were and also look how far we've come. Enjoy the rest of your run very much. And, oh, is there anything else you want to plug? Anything you've got on the telly or anything else that we should watch? You're in 10%, aren't you, Lydia? Uh, yes, yes. You can also catch Lydia in 10% on Amazon. Um, Alison, yeah. is there anything you'd like to tell us about? I'm doing a production of um, Dancing at Lunasa in the National, um, which previews on the 6th of April, I think. 
Can we get you rehearsing all day at the National Theatre? Oh my God! And then doing our show at night. So another um, famous feminist play, Alison. We'll have to do another culture club because that's a famously, famously feminist play, famously (laughs) female play. Come back and do a culture club on that with some of the cast of Dancing at Lunasa. Um, Cannot wait. Very excited about that production. so if you can get to the Almeida in London, Women Beware the Devil is on until the 25th of March. Go, 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 go. And if you can't, uh, maybe put in a little Twitter request for it to tour to you. Uh, and in the meantime, you can buy the text. Um, it has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Lydia Leonard and Alison Oliver. Thank you. It's so lovely to meet you and be here. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com